Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 295 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the founder of Teach the Geek, helping STEM professionals to communicate effectively by developing their public speaking skills. Prior to Teach the Geek, he was a biomedical engineer, a freelance writer, and a product development engineer, as well as a professional speaker. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Neil Thompson. Thanks for having me, Phil. So, Neil, I think we should get straight into it. So could you perhaps tell us a little bit about the background to Teach the Geek? Sure. It really all stemmed from when I was working as a product development engineer in the medical device industry. I took this job at this company, and I I, I thought I was going to be a product development engineer. At least that's what they told me in the interview. Uh, It was just going to be me at my desk designing spinal implants and possibly doing some testing in the lab. A few months into the job, they told me that I was going to be a project lead. And for those of you that don't know, a project lead is essentially a poor man's project manager. I was running the project and and, I actually had to give presentations in front of senior management every month on project status. So we're talking the CEO, the chief marketing officer, CTO, anybody with chief in their name was in the audience during those presentations. And those first few presentations that I gave were absolutely horrendous. I was terrible. I didn't know it was possible to sweat that profusely. But there I was having to give these presentations on a, on a monthly basis. And I noticed that a lot of the other engineers aren't, weren't that much better at the presentations than, than I was. I mean, we all were a, a, a sweaty mess. But I, I realized that I, I didn't want to, 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 to be that way for, the, for any proce- or preceding presentations because I didn't want to look like a fool every time I had to give these presentations. I noticed one of the big issues that I had was I would get a lot of questions after the presentation that I thought I had answered during the presentation. But because I didn't put the, I guess I didn't prepare my presentations in such a way that these decision makers could understand, then I was left answering these questions. And so essentially I got a lot better at public speaking simply out of necessity and not wanting to look foolish. In front of these, in front of these people, in front of the audience, and I took everything that I learned in getting better and becoming more effective in public speaking, and I turned it into an online course geared towards people like myself, people in the STEM industries, typically engineers and scientists, on public speaking, and it's called Teach the Geek to Speak. Right. So, so obviously, when we're talking about public speaking, it can mean many things to different people. So, in this instance, you're really talking about how you're able to present as you said, to stakeholders of, of what you were delivering, presumably, and peers and so forth, not just about presenting to an audience from a stage. Yeah, I, I wanted to make it specific to engineers and scientists, people that have a lot of technical expertise and struggle with putting it in such a way that non-technical people, primarily decision makers, can understand. Right. Okay. And presumably, um, we'll probably come back to it later, but your course is designed to enable people from a STEM background to, to do that. That's right. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll revisit that later in, in the uh, in the interview. But but for the meantime, can you maybe share with us a career tip, uh, maybe one that the audience isn't aware of and perhaps should be? Oh, yeah. So 
I think a lot, especially for someone like myself who has this technical background, who studied engineering in college, we focus a lot on the technical aspects of, of, of engineering. No one really talks about, at least when I was in school, the, the soft skills. Uh, on, on that, those skills that you're going to need when it comes to you know, actually working at a company. It's one thing to learn engineering principles at school. It's another thing to communicate them to people in the office, especially people that aren't engineers. And I think a lot of engineers really give that short shrift, and then they're they they're left sitting in their cubicle stewing because some other engineer who actually did think that soft skills were important got the got the promotion, got the pay raise, and and you didn't. But it was your fault. You didn't do the work. You didn't. You weren't able to communicate properly. You weren't able to to network. You weren't able to negotiate properly. I mean, you basically left yourself open to all this all these troubles, and you didn't have to. And if you had developed your soft skills, I mean. A, a really great engineer is one that is technically proficient, but also has the soft skills to to communicate with the well with the appropriate people. Indeed. So, do you do you think that um, people who come from a more technical background, you know, those courses that support what they do, they don't tend to have that element of developing soft skills? Do you feel that's true? Oh, no question. Unless it's changed since I was in school, and I wasn't in school that long ago. I mean, I graduated in two thousand and two. But back then, it was really what we focused on was the actual engineering. It wasn't wasn't about you know how even how to how to go through a job interview. I mean, you get all these skills, but eventually you have to go apply for a job. You don't just have this engineering principle knowledge in your mind just to have them. You want to apply them someplace, and so you have to go interview somewhere. And that kind of thing wasn't really wasn't really promoted or even talked about. When I was in school, so all of this stuff you kind of have to figure out on your own. So it'd be really nice if a lot of these schools focus more on those on those type of skills. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it would definitely would be, but but obviously that that may not necessarily be the case at the moment. So, um, for, for what you do, obviously you enable people to do public speaking. But where else could people go to learn about the soft skills that they need to grow a successful career? I was a member of Toastmasters for a, a number of years. And for those of you all that don't know, Toastmasters is an international organization whose goal is to essentially help people in becoming more comfortable or more effective at public speaking. I think it's a great forum to practice your public speaking skills. I don't know what it's like now during the pandemic since you're not meeting in person, but when I was a member, you know, this is pre-pandemic, we'd meet in person. So it would be a great opportunity to get in front of people, a supportive audience who actually wants to see you do well and practice your presentations. And as someone who was an engineer, I oftentimes would do presentations that I would actually do at work. So basically I was test testing them in front of this Toastmaster audience to see what I was doing well and what I could improve on. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. I think that most cities um, have um, Toastmasters of some some. Uh kind or type don't they available so it's definitely worth looking up and finding out where your nearest toastmaster group is absolutely for, yeah for about three four years i was a member and no matter where i was living i i found a toastmasters group in the area yeah exactly good okay so neil can you share with us your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience absolutely it was when my project got canceled so that that same company that i was working at as a project lead as I mentioned, those first few presentations weren't all that great. I got a little better over time, but really the the motivation or the catalyst for Teach the Geek is when my project got canceled. And I thought that even to this day, perhaps if I was better at communicating the information to these decision makers, 
maybe I could have, have saved the project. We'll never know, I suppose. But essentially, yep. that's when I realized, okay, this is something I really need to get better at because I don't want to be in this position again where I'm having projects canceled and I'm questioning whether it was canceled because of my poor communication skills. Sure. So obviously, you're not necessarily in the same situation now with, with doing something completely different. But what did you learn and take away from that? Well, I, I realized that this is something that I need to get better at. Sure, there were other engineers, as I mentioned, that weren't all that much better at it than I was. But just because that was the case doesn't mean I want to be in, in the muck with the rest of them. I want to be the, yeah. the engineer that was you know, technically proficient, but also proficient at communicating that information to the, the people in the audience. So that was, that's really my takeaway. Okay. And so we'll move on to something a little bit more positive. So can you tell us about your career highlight? Career highlight was actually getting my first job, I would say. So when I came out of school, so I, I did a, 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 a bachelor's and then I did a master's. And then I was thinking, okay, I got two degrees. It's going to be no problem getting a job. But that, that wasn't the case. It took me about seven months to get from graduating that master's program to my first position. And that was a pretty stressful time. I'm, I'm thinking, what do, I, what do I need to do to, to get that job? But looking back on it, I now know, but I didn't realize at the time that getting that first job is always the most difficult because you don't have the, the experience to really list on a resume. And yet you're, you're expected to go into these interviews and talk about your experience. <laughs> But what experience are you talking about? So, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, you're talking about what you did in school and you're hoping that that's good enough. And maybe you're able to do some some internships or some volunteer volunteer experiences, volunteer experiences in your field. But I mean, if, if you don't have that even, then it's going to be a little, quite difficult. I didn't have any internships. I didn't do that much volunteering. So it was a it was a tough it was a tough road trying to get that first job. And actually. The job that I eventually got, I had applied for another job at that company and then never heard back. But then I saw another job advertised at that company. I applied for that job, and that's the job I ended up getting. This was 2006, so this was you know you know back when you actually would send things over. You know, it, there was I don't even think I used you know Career Builder or Indeed or any of those things. I'm not even sure they existed. I was just applying online through their application tracking system, and I actually don't even like those things, you know, having you putting, you know, you, you send the, your, your information through these you know, ATS systems and then you don't hear anything back. You don't even know, you don't even know if anyone even looked at your resume, but luckily this company was a startup. So I'm guessing maybe not too many people even knew about the company were applying, but luckily I, I got that job. So that was, that's probably the highlight, just starting off my career. Yes. I mean, that, that is true. They are pretty sort of, they can be a bit faceless, can't they, when you just sort of put your, your details into a website and press submit, and then you may get an automated email response and that's it. Um, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, hopefully things are changing. Hopefully it's more more personal these days. But but yeah, everybody's experiences is different. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of actually reaching out to hiring managers as opposed to just sending your email or your resume into some ATS system, at least you're able to try to develop some sort of relationship with the person who is responsible for hiring people. And I think a lot of people, they take the easy way out and, and use these ATSs and then hope for the best. They'll say, well, I, I applied to 10 jobs today. You sent your resume and information into 10 ATS systems and you're hoping for the best, as opposed to reaching out to 10 hiring managers, actually developing relationships with them and, and seeing what happens from there. In fact, one of the consulting jobs I ended up getting was 
exactly by exactly that way. I reached out to a hiring manager on LinkedIn and actually nothing happened for about a year. And then maybe a year, a year after I, I first reached out to him and, you know, in that interim, in that year's time, you know, I would check in every now and then, but then a year later, I mean, he, he contacted me and said, we have this role. Are you interested? And I ended up doing that for a while. Yeah, that's good to hear. I think LinkedIn can be a great tool for that. Um, it's, it's ideal for business networking and, and supports that sort of proactive approach to to finding a job. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, Neil, can you tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry? I mean, what really excites me is the, the innovation. So I do some work in in patents. I was a you know as I mentioned, I, I was an engineer for a number of years. I was working at the startup company. And the the boss, the, the the founder of the company, wanted all the engineers, all three of us, including myself, to become patent agents, so he wouldn't have to outsource patent drafting to outside counsel. I thought this was something that we had to do. Turns out that wasn't the case because the other two engineers didn't do it. I ended up being the only one that took the exam and passing it. And wouldn't you know that the the owner still outsourced all the patent drafting to outside counsel. So now I have this. Now I'm a patent agent with with nothing to patent. Luckily, I started doing some work maybe a couple of years ago for uh, a firm here in the San Diego area where I live, and we focus mainly on life science applicate, patent applications, but a lot of them have uh, an AI, an artificial intelligence component to them. So just seeing the, the work that's being done now, especially during COVID-19 times, and using AI to, to even identify potential solutions to, to COVID-related issues has been really interesting. Yes, oh, very much so. Yes. So, are there any areas of technology other than AI that that interest you? I mean, AI. I mean, AI is the big one. Machine learning, deep learning—they're all kind of, of 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 go together. That's mean. That I mean that's the big one. And in addition to in addition to AI, I'd say a lot of of, of data science type work has been really interesting to me too. I mean, I, I have a of a I have a podcast myself where I interview scientists and engineers about public speaking. And one of the people that I had on the podcast was a, a data scientist. She started off as an engineer and got into data science. So it was really interesting hearing her story about making that transition. I'd always thought that people with in data scientists all, in data science all had PhDs, but she, she didn't. And she let, me, let it be known that that's not necessarily a requirement. It's just a number of them do, but it's not something that is absolutely necessary. So it was really interesting to hear her story about that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Ready. So I'm not sure the first question works perfectly well for this, but what first attracted you to a career in technology? (laughs) I ended up going into it because (laughs) this is a funny story because I used to lie about the reason I ended up where I'm at. So when I was in school, I didn't really, I didn't really have the, any interest in technology. And I noticed when other other people are asked that question, they they give better answers. They say maybe I was in robotics club when I was in high school. Maybe I played, maybe they played with Legos when they were children. I never really played with Legos. I wasn't in robotics club. My math and science scores were average at best. I ended up going into tech because my father said that I should. And that's really the the reason that re- reason behind it. There's is nothing it's nothing more interesting than that. I guess he saw that the, the 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 benefits of it being it's a stable career, it's a well paying career, and he said 
do that. And I said, okay. And luckily it worked out. <laughs> yep. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Play to your strengths and surround yourself with your weaknesses. Right. Okay. So have you taken that forward? Oh yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things that we can improve on, especially now that you know, I, I do a lot of work on my own working for myself and it's easy to, to think that to try to be great at everything, but then you kind of, when, when doing that, other things kind of are get affected by that, negatively affected by that. So all the things that I don't necessarily that great at or don't want to do, I outsource to other people who are, who do have that, that, that talent. Yes. Yeah. What is the worst career advice you've ever received? Worst career advice I ever received, try to be a jack of all trades. You know, people, the people that want to be the, you know, kind of want to be great at everything or, you know, good at everything. I don't know if that's all that useful. We need, we need subject matter experts in a number of things. And it's, it's fine to be that person because when, when that issue comes up, you're the person that they're, that they're looking for. They're not looking for the, the generalist who's great, you know, a little good, a little good, who's good at a, 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 a number of things. They're looking for the person that's great at that one thing. So. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, even with Teach the Geek uh, to speak, the, the course, it's geared towards engineers and scientists. There's a number of, of public speaking courses out there that are just geared to people that want to get better at public speaking. I purposely geared it towards the group that I belong to because that's what I know. Yep, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I wouldn't have applied for a job through that ATS system. I'll tell you that I would have developed those relationships with hiring managers. Perhaps it wouldn't have taken me seven months to find a job. No. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Really, it's, it's growing Teach the Geek. So currently I have the one course, Teach the Geek to Speak, the public speaking course. And I want to offer other courses that are applicable to engineers and scientists that deal with soft skills perhaps one on networking, one on negotiation, one on interviewing, just the, the type of, of courses and, and building up the type of skills that are not taught in school. Yeah. And I think the next question is just perfectly aimed for you. So what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? It's certainly not public speaking, Phil. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it absolutely is. It's a, it, being able to communicate with people. I mean, you could be the, the the most proficient technical person in the world, but if you're not able to communicate your expertise to people, all that information you have will just go go to nothing. And you'll be that engineer talking in front of people, getting those questions afterwards that you thought you'd answered during the presentation, and but still having to answer these questions. You'll also be the engineer that's sitting in his at his, at his desk, as I mentioned, angry. Well, I guess or I guess in this pandemic world, sitting at home in front of your laptop, mad because the next man or woman got the promotion and, and pay raise that you wanted. Yeah. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? You know, it's, it's constant learning. I mean, just being open to, to learning new things. One of the issues, I think, with, with te- even with Teach the Geek to Speak or any course that's geared towards engineers and scientists, we can be a cocky bunch sometimes. We think that we know everything and that there's nothing else to learn. But there is. There's a lot. And just being open to, to learning new things. I think is is the best way to, to keeping your options open firstly and and then just being flexible. Yeah. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? Oh man, I do a lot of things. Uh, so one of the things that I really enjoy is comedy. A couple of years ago I actually took a stand-up comedy course at the at the 
at the comedy store. It's a pretty famous uh, comedy uh, comedy uh, club here in the San Diego area. It was founded by Sandy Shore, who is the mother of Pauly Shore. He was a he was actually an actor. He, I don't know if he acts anymore, but I do. I did a, a, a stand-up course essentially. It was, I think it was about six weeks, and every at the end of every class, we'd actually get up in front of the class and, and tell jokes. Stand-up stand-up comedy, honestly, like stand-up comics are the my most favorite public speakers because to, to do that job well you have to obviously be comfortable in front of an audience you have to engage in the audience but not only that you have to be funny that's very difficult to do and even just being in front of people and seeing that the, maybe the crowd isn't going with what you're what you're doing and having to make adjustments on the fly it's it's the it's an excellent training for any type of public speaking you have to do yes absolutely um, Neil, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? Well, I mean, I, I did mention it before, but I think it bears repeating. It's it's play to your strengths and surround yourself with your weaknesses. It's it's important to to know what you're really good at, and then for the things that perhaps you're not the best at, to form that out to the people that are, that who do have that as a strength. Yeah, exactly. And, and Neil, how can we find out more about you and your course and, and connect with you? Oh, well, you could go to teachthegeek.com. And I mentioned I have a podcast and I also have a YouTube channel. Essentially, the podcast is an audio version of the YouTube channel. So you can go to youtube.teachthegeek.com to to see my interviews with engineers and scientists. And then I also have a a freebie for those who are interested in it. I call it the risk assessment tool. And essentially, it is it, it, it's, it's inspired by the risk assessments that I used to have to do when I was a product development engineer. Essentially, we'd have to, to analyze and, and, and identify the potential risks of a project and the ways we would mitigate those risks or avoid them altogether. And I basically took that format and used it now for excuses and solutions for those excuses. So you can go to download.teachthegeek.com to get that. Great. Okay. Neil, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Same here, Phil. Thank you. Hi, Phil here again. Just a final few words from me. Firstly, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their career tips, experiences and insights with us on the show today. As you probably know, there have been more than 200 guests on the show so far. And I'm continuing to try to attract new guests that can provide great insights to all of us. However, to enable me to do this, I need to ensure that the podcast continues to grow and reach an extended audience. And you can help me in doing this by subscribing to the show and providing a rating and review in whichever platform you listen to. Thanks again for your support. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.